0: Hello, welcome to episode 103 of Sack King's Therapy. Uh, also, the third episode that we'll be doing draft analysis. And this week, we're going to go over Kai Jones and Franz Faulkner, I think is how you pronounce it. I cannot decide, and everyone kind of pronounces it a little differently. We're going to call him Franz Faulkner. Uh, we're going to actually start with Kai, Kai Jones.
1: So take us through it, Oh, okay. So we're just jumping straight into it. Okay. So Kai Jones, um, let's just say he's a pretty quick and explosive athlete. Uh similar to, you know, most of the athletes that we've reviewed so far. Um and he came from a, you know, a track background. So he is a, you know, like I said, quick and you know, can run the floor. He does take those long leg strides on the open court. And you know, uh he's pretty good when it comes to transition he's a two way sequence uh, sir as they say which uh, he gets a 75.8 field goal percentage if you know that if that matters to you and you know fitting in with the kings wouldn't be hard because i think we should uh, play fast in my opinion
0: yeah, so first of all, sorry for kind of just lobbing you that hand grenade, uh, and <laughs> I know. just uh, hoping you do something with it. But yeah, you you, you managed to score an and-one on that one. That You basically did what Aaron Gordon did, like, I think, two years ago uh, when that Orlando Magic game at Golden One Center, where uh, I think it was Evan Fournier just, just passed him a hot potato at the end of the game, and he just threw it up and got an and-one. And, Won the game for them that, so yeah good, good job on that one uh sorry again sorry for the hand grenade but
1: yeah, you, you already gave me like the sweats were the splits i got like oh gee i i'm already jumping into this
0: <laughs> anyway so first thing i think of when i see kai jones is energy athlete and yeah he brings all the energy and yes and as you mentioned comes from a track background has crazy long strides a lot kind of like giannis esque in terms of just like every step covers like a good 10 feet and yeah he gets up and down the court and just you know gets a lot and uses that athleticism really well for you know uh transition buckets where there's just be- simply beating his man up down the court or, like, just, you know, you using that those crazy athletic abilities and tools to get, you know, crazy blocks and cr- crazy alley-oop dunks. Yeah, so that's the first thing I, I think of when, you know, I see him
1: play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, he also has, like, you know, the good second bounce, and he is bouncy in traffic. And you know who's also bouncy in traffic? That reminds me of, I'm digging Marvin Bagley. And I thought we were, I was
0: going to say Rashawn, but I know okay. we were
1: talking about it earlier and I was like, he his athleticism kind of reminds me of Bagley. But, you know, it's kind of different when watching college games compared to the NBA games when it came when it comes to these kind of draftees. So uh, we'll have to see when he comes to the NBA. But, yeah, he is explosive off one or two feet. And again, he is bouncing that i mean i don't know what to say other than that
0: yeah so that great second bounce well you know without without like needless to say is very good at offensive rebounding because of that second bounce also this is what i think separates him from marvin i did think of marvin when i heard second bounce but the thing that separates from him is that he doesn't need to wind up he doesn't need he doesn't have like a charge up time Uh, to go for big jumps. And I think that's what separates him from Marvin because Marvin needs time to, like, basically get into the motion, like, you know, charge up in order to get those crazy sky-high rebounds or uh, blocks, which, you know, in this case, like, he doesn't get that many blocks. So, yeah, that's what I think separates him from Marvin, uh, for me, anyway.
1: Mm -hmm. So, moving on, he's also a great cutter, corner-er. I I guess you could say that uh, 45 degree cuts and uh, Maguette cuts and you know when they mentioned Maguette cuts i had to um, research a little bit about it and you know watching some clips of him doing Maguette cuts uh, it <clears throat> to me it seems okay but the one who really you know showed it best is you know of course the one and only Zion Williamson so <laughs> uh, we'll see how it translates to the nba especially for his size and weight Uh, so in total with cutting, cornering and, you know, the cuts, um, uh, he gets a 59.4% field goal, which pretty good. Yeah. Uh, he does play the corner, uh, a lot and gets into those, you know, what you uh, say, uh, dunker spots, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. And he does have a good potential as being the role man. Yeah. He doesn't do it as often as he should or as he, uh, could in college but uh, you know we'll always have to uh, I'm, I'm gonna have to say this a lot we'll have to see
0: yeah so like he, he as you mentioned the mcget m- cuts like yeah he has crazy like g- great fluidity like great like really good hip movements and like just crazy good uh lateral quickness and he and also that fluidity he uses on offense for like these kind honestly kind of ugly euros <laughs> um, mm. like they're where they're very slow, but they cover so much ground and like he's just kind of, I guess, skinny enough, at least for now. Uh, like, where he can kind of, like, slip by guys, like, using those long strides. When he adds a little bit more muscle, he'll be going through them, I think, for the most part. And, yeah, as I mentioned, it does these really, like, crazy long Euros and these just, like, two steps to get around guys. Uh, currently, very raw. Like, it needs a lot of refinement, but the potential to me is limitless.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, Yeah. No, yeah, we would. I would also like to see, you know, the potential in his, you know, drives and euros and his fade seems um, OK to me. But, you know, his shot is looking pretty smooth and fluid to me. What do you think?
0: So I actually kind of disagree on the shot, although many people seem to disagree with me on the shot. Uh, he needs to work on it. That That's that's just going to be a given. Like, to me, the entire mechanics of it, like, it looks fine mechanically, but, like, the timing of, like, just the legs, the arms, the shoulders, they're all off, like, at least from how I look at it. Mm -hmm. Like, he shoots at, like, at the top of, like, his arc, which is at the top, at the very peak of his jump, which is not always recommended. You want to be, like, usually be releasing when you're still going up. And then like his his shoulder isn't like cocked like perfectly you know in sync either like his knee like his knee bend isn't like uh, the timing isn't right it's something he'll need to work on and I think will get better. Sam Vecini t- t- uh, seems to believe that he'll become a legit uh, at least a, a legit corner shooter and you know probably will be a good shooter overall like as time as he gets just more and more time and more and more training so it's not something I would be too concerned with but as mm-hmm. as of now like it, his mechanics let me just like he just needs to work on syncing everything together
1: mm-hmm. yeah i could see that in a, a little bit towards his uh three point shooting which he did score about 38.2 percent from the free with 1.3 attempts uh yeah i could see it in the free point shooting in a way um but we'll get over with the, I guess, the cons when it came to uh, his shooting later. But let's go on with the, I guess you could say, defense. Uh, according, Well, according to, uh, uh, who's the YouTuber again? Hoop Intolet. Yeah, Hoop Intolet. He has a defensive versatility to potentially hold on his own all positions, which in my opinion i'm i'm a little surprised by that
0: (laughs) i mean as i mentioned earlier crazy good lateral quickness great at flipping his hips and just like can change directions like you know flip his hips change directions at like at a a moment's notice and great lateral agility like he's not going to be hunted on defense i don't think like he's Mm good he's quick enough to guard ones like, he probably won't be able to keep, like, the ultra-quick uh, point guards in the league, but, like, you, you can, like, reliably have him on wings, and, you know, as once he gains more strength, probably hold down fives. Like, yeah, this guy is going to be a legitimate one through five defender.
1: Hmm. Yeah. We'll have to see. <laughs> so... Going off of his defense, his footwork it looks pretty good. He recovers well and he has pretty good uh, pick and roll uh, awareness. And uh, one thing I did like about Kai Jones is how he does his recovery blocks, where he kind of baits the driver uh, a little bit to drive into the hoop and he just all of a sudden blocks it. <laughs> so, uh, According to, uh, you know, his stat line, he only gets 0.9 blocks per game, but, you know, he has the potential to block more. Uh, So, yeah, we'll have to see how he does in the NBA when uh, if his like little trick comes into play.
0: Yeah, so, like, you know, that kind of thing kind of reminds me of JaVale McGee, and I'll talk about JaVale McGee a little bit later. But, like, uh, one of the reasons why he doesn't get that many blocks, he only played 22 minutes, like, just under, just a hair under 23, actually. So that's kind of why it's low. I'll also get into why it's low, but, yeah, he has crazy length and crazy explosion like, basically, like, he ha- he's the kind of athlete where a lot of guys, like, when they get by him, they think they're Scott- – they can basically score a layup scot-free. But, like, Kai is such a crazy good athlete that he can actually recover, <laughs> like, and that's what you mean by baiting guys. Like, he just – makes he's so long and athletic he can actually trick guys into thinking that they have an open layup, but then we'll you know block the ever-loving shit out of them you know but like do the do those chase down blocks mm-hmm. um oh. but like the main thing with him currently so so far he's you know he needs to work on his help defense and we'll get into that but yeah as an on-ball defender Like when, when he, when he just focuses on what's in front of him, yes, a terrific athlete, but he will need to kind of work on kind of the, the little things. And we will get into that
1: Mm -hmm. now to quickly finish. uh, We'll talk about his potential help side defense and uh, being that rim protector. Um, Now with the clips that we, I saw um, his awareness is kind of, I guess you could say on and off, uh, especially when it comes to help defending or rim protecting. Like, like I said, uh, he kind of slacks off and doesn't know when to, you know, help. So uh, we'll have to see. I'm pretty sure if under right coaching. Of course, he'll, you know, know when to help. And uh, hopefully, yeah, we'll protect the rim better than what he has done with the from what I saw from the clips.
0: Yeah. So as I mentioned, he's primarily like he's amazing when the play is just in front of him, like when he just has to focus on, you know, guarding the ball Mm -hmm. in in help situations. And this is, I guess, where we'll uh, transition into the weaknesses in help situations where he has to be aware of multiple things at once. He just doesn't have that awareness yet. And that will just come with experience. He now we haven't talked about it, but he only started playing basketball, professional basketball, uh, at 15 years old. So there's still he's still learning a lot, and you know that help side just being the anchor of a defense. Like he's not there yet, but the the potential is there. But as it stands right now, yes, he is not a good help defender at all, and it's one of the reasons why his block rate is so low. If he's not, if the play isn't in front of him. He tends to actually like be pretty bad,
1: actually. Mm, I see.
0: And also to add on, like Jericho Sims, like I think he's a senior for uh, Texas Tech or uh, I forgot. uh, just blanked out of my mind. I think it's Texas Tech. Like he's the same. He's on the same team. Like he's he's an older senior and he's nowhere near as athletic as Kai. But he was actually a better defensive player than Kai according to the stats. So, yeah, he will just need to work on his, you know, do, doing the little things on defense.
1: hmm I see. So, I guess moving on to his weaknesses, uh, first and foremost, we, we got to talk about his uh, strength and weight. Uh, he is weighed at, like I said, 218 at 611. That... He- that's very skinny (laughs) yeah i mean he does look skinny and when i mentioned that he reminds me of marvin bagley yeah (laughs) i'm talking about that kind of skinny so um yeah it could be fixed Uh, i don't know how much uh, weight he'll put up but i'm pretty sure he should be around the 240 mark probably by the time he gets a you know i feel he aided with the NBA, so we'll have to see about that.
0: Yeah, and because he's 218, like college big men can bully him. And like there are clips where basically the big man just kind of drives into him, gets into his body, and he does, and he can't do anything. Like his knit length is just negated, mm-hmm. and he can't, and he can't, like basically get up and yeah, it just kind of falls on the ground, unfortunately. So, yes, uh, the weight is an issue. But, like, as any college player that, like, has their, especially when they're young, like, that has one of their weaknesses as weight and strength, I think that stuff gets fixed in the NBA. Like, um, uh, unless unless there's, like, some sort of, like, biological issue with them where they just can't gain weight, I have no, I have no concerns about him being able to put on some muscle and, you know, get to that
1: 240. Mm-hmm. Now, he does also make some defensive mistakes, uh, a few being, you know, one, he's underweight, and two, you know, he he is that kind of explosive guy that, you know, he wants to get into that defense, but he does over, I guess you could say, commit. But, you know, could be polished and uh, under, you know, well-trained staff, and uh, it will probably be fixed pretty, uh, I would say within the year i'd say when once he plays in the nba
0: i would say let like, take about like one or two years to like refine his skills and add that weight uh yeah th- you know take a drink every time i say this he's just going to need to add more <laughs> add more strength because mm-hmm. a lot of the things he just a lot of the issues with him like committing turnovers and like the weird out of control moves and again the rather ugly looking euro steps it's a lot of him overextending and just, like, if he gets into any kind of contact, he immediately kind of gets bumped off his spot. And, you know, he had some pretty ugly moments, like, with these charges and these, like, again, ugly turnovers, uh, where, like, he's just very sloppy handling the ball, at, like, as soon as he feels any contact. And it actually reminds me of, like, a, you know, I guess not prime JaVel McGee, but, like, when JaVel McGee was at a Shaqton best, Shaqton MVP, like, level, like, it looked like some of those plays where, like, he just loses the ball, tosses the ball into the stands. And, uh, yeah, he, you know, like, again, a lot of that, once he adds a little, like, a little bit of muscle and just works on his balance and footwork, I think all that kind of goes away. And, yeah, um, he's just, he'll need to also work just, or on just surveying the floor better and to make better decisions. He had a one to two assist to uh, assist to turnover ratio, meaning he had two turnovers for every assist not good stuff right now but i i can i'm gonna i trust them to be able to improve on these
1: mm-hmm. yeah what's uh okay so moving on uh let's talk about his shot so we have mentioned that he shot 38.2 percent from free uh other than that yeah he does fade a couple times but he doesn't do it as often but his consistency as a shooter can be sporadic at times and you have data mentioned that his shots kind of i guess not fluid i, I forgot what yeah he
0: said. yeah as i as i said like the timing of like all basically like the knee bend the upward motion the release point and like the elbow just everything just to me just looks mistimed and again i think just with a little bit extra training he can he can get that like he can get that fixed Mm -hmm. everything a lot of like these um skill based things uh these kind of skills like i just feel it's because it's a product of just you know not playing basketball for all that long he's really only played for what six years like he's, he's tw- actually no, only five years. He's only 20. He's I think he turns 21. Um, no, he's he's going to be 20 by the time he enters the league. And he's only played uh, basketball for five years. So a lot of these like skill based things, I think he just needs more work on. And again, mm-hmm. like he I think I don't think it's an issue. And Vicini again, believes that he will be a, a pretty decent shooter going
1: forward. I see. Well, for me. To end off this, uh, weaknesses, uh, I guess we could mention his free throw percentage. It's 68.9%. Uh, it's not the greatest, not the worst, but it's, it's, it's there. Like you said, his motion's a little out of sync and his, uh, arc is a little flat, but you know, of course, like you said, can be fixed.
0: Uh, arc, I'm actually not that worried about. I, I've actually, <laughs> here's a little fun story. Uh, I've been playing uh, more basketball um, nowadays at the gym. I found that I, a flatter arc works better for me.
1: Oh. <laughs> but that's just me.
0: But that's just me. Uh, Kawhi is another guy that has a really flat arc, and you know he's fine <laughs> for the most part. So, mm-hmm. like it, like it's not the biggest deal. But like usually you would want more arc. But to me, whatever works for him. And, like, again, he needs to find a way to time his mechanics better. And I think once, again, his mechanics get, you know, better and just he just needs more work. And once he puts in that work, I think, uh, yeah, things a lot of these issues will go away and we'll see what a ceiling is. But He is going to be a project. He's not going to be like, you know, um, destroying the world. Uh, That's that's a weird way to say it, but he's not he's not going to be a world breaker. Like, mm-hmm. you know, his first year. It's going to take a few years.
1: Oh, yeah. I would say, yeah, he, I'd say he's in my top four list out of all the six players that we're, we reviewed so far. Well, we haven't reviewed Franz yet, but, uh, yeah, I'd say top four. I mean, of course, I would white like Moses, but you never know if Kai Jones does end up with the knife pick. I mean...
0: He's a bit of a reach at the five. Like, you know, if we're going to get him, I would pr- prefer to trade down if the deal was mm-hmm. there. But, yeah. you know, uh, if if like if I guess Monty wants to take a swing, like he's not a bad guy to take a swing on. Like, again, he will take a few years and that mm-hmm. that's what I'm worried about. That's why he's actually lower on my list. Like, I would say out of like I guess he would be like probably four or five for me, kind of probably where you are. Uh, But like the uh, the potential is limitless. And Mm -hmm. yeah, Uh, just quickly before we move on to Franz, I want to quickly just go over like he did have a 4.0 in uh, GPA in high school and was on the all academic team for the Big 12 in 2021. So he is a very good student and a very seemingly willing learner, smart kid. And so a lot of these things that we keep mentioning, like skill development, um, strength development, You know, he's a kid that seems to work hard and has the athletic tools, but seems to also have the mental tools and, like, a smart kid that knows what to work on. And I I believe in him being able to develop properly.
1: I see. Well, we shall see.
0: And finally, to end it, uh, who did have two comparisons, Pascal Siakam and Jaron Jackson Jr., and you added in Marvin Bagley there? Uh, I would actually like to add Rashawn to this, because... He reminds me a lot of Rashawn. The body type's a bit different. Like um, Rashawn is definitely bulkier and not as tall, but like he does a lot of the things, minus the floater, of course, uh, that Rashawn mm-hmm. does.
1: Yeah, if Kai Jones has that, you know, go-to offensive play, I, you know, <laughs> he might as well be Rashawn.
0: Yeah, and hope, but hopefully we do get to keep Rashawn. I'd rather just keep Rashawn.
1: Mhm. Yeah, we'll see what Monty does.
0: All right, let's move on to Franz Wagner. Six uh, nine with a seven foot wingspan. I believe um, I didn't mention this. Kai Jones has six eleven, uh, has a seven one wingspan. Franz doesn't. So there, uh, from what I looked up, there he doesn't have an official wingspan, but at people estimate it at around seven foot. So we're just gonna go with that. We're gonna assume he has se- has a seven foot wingspan. Uh, is a sophomore, uh, 19 years old, and will be 20 in August. So he will be coming to the league uh, at 20 years old. So, all right, Fong, take us away.
1: So, yeah, before I get into the, I guess, the pros about Franz, uh, he did, uh, I guess you could say, want to uh, go into the 2020 draft, but, you know. dude to... did have that in my notes, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. So I guess, uh, yeah, due to COVID, uh or, I don't know, I, I didn't read up on uh, why uh, he decided to get out or not get out, but not be in the uh, Toy Toy draft uh, last year. So, I mean, he's here this year. And to be honest, uh, yeah, look at these highlights, it, 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 he looks pretty nice. I'm going to say, I'd say he's in my top two choice. And we'll get over to why. So, first and foremost, Uh, he's a versatile defender that could guard multiple positions and, you know, that's, you could say that a lot about most of these guys that we reviewed, but, you know, he, looking at the highlights, he looks annoying to play against, uh, he has good lateral quickness, you know, to help him, uh, keep in front of the offense and he only really allowed opponents to shoot 34%, which is pretty crazy, uh, But, you know, college ball is different from NBA ball, so we'll have to see how it translates.
0: Yeah, so he's, uh, as you mentioned, great lateral quickness, like just really active, like high motor. And it's weird to say that that's a skill, but it is actually a skill to play hard and play smart. And he's a great help defender, like just all over the place, always kind of gets his hand on on the ball when he's guarding someone off ball and you drive in his direction. Like he gets like, granted it is the highlights, but like, you know, at so many like moments of him just like digging down on a guy and just stripping the ball. Like the guy is an incredible help defender. Like I do have a bit of like some question about his like on ball defense, but like, you know, the package of him just You know, knowing when to help like is just yeah. He has he has those instincts and yeah, it's a great foundation to have. If he was to ever join the Kings, like he would immediately, I think, help the defense a lot.
1: Mm Mhm. And uh, let's go over for some uh, more defense stuff. Uh, He is pretty highly effective regarding the pick and roll. I mean, when looking at the quiz, I was like, gee, he's he's really sticky on those guys, and especially looking at that ball. Especially uh, guards the offense well, and you know even the screener when uh, the switches are made, uh, he's good at transition de- uh, defense, and you know he has great positioning to you know stop those type of opportunities. And you have mentioned those pokeaways. My gosh, it's, it feels like he does it with ease uh, for most of those pokeaways as well.
0: Yeah, so it's like it's like a thing you just can't teach. With a, with a lot of players like he just has it and like the, his hands are great and yeah as you mentioned for some reason like on tr- in transition defense like again it is the highlight so it might be a little like skewed in terms of like our p- impression of it but like yeah just seems to be in the right position knows how to read like you know a guy coming downhill on him and like uh, uses like his you know, all his physical tools that like force and angle, that's going to be really tough for someone to finish or drive past them. Again, just a very, very smart defender. Like it kind of in contrast to um, a little bit in contrast to Kai Jones, who is just an incredible athlete with incredible length. Franz Wagner has that length, but you know, not, not anywhere near the athleticism, but he has an understanding of how to play defense. And yeah, he, he's yeah as you mentioned just good good like a really good pick and roll defender uh, uh, both on the ball handler and the screener so that's actually very interesting to me so like everything about him projects him to be a pretty terrific defender like at the next level again i have questions about his on ball just because like he is he does seem a little bit stiff at times but like it doesn't seem to it probably won't be a huge issue unless like you know, he goes up against like really good teams, like really quick ones or like, you know, bigger fours or fives.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I feel like he could improve uh, in that general area once he gets in the NBA. We'll, we'll just have to see. Uh, I guess to end up my uh, defense notes on Franz, uh, he did have 1.3 steals per game and one block per game. So there's that.
0: Yeah, like the percent, like I think the num, like I think it was Seth Par- someone uh, I think I heard this stat from, like people who players who have that you can tell are going to be good defenders usually will have a steal and block percentage like higher than two. It's a it's a sign that you're able to make plays at the college level, which is usually a good indicator for being able to play defense at the next level. And I believe his percentages were both like up above two. So he projects to be a good defender at the next level. Just everything about him like projects that.
1: Yeah, I think overall, I think he is, I'd say, I think the top two or three uh, best defenders in this draft class. So we'll have to see. So uh, moving on, he does run the floor well. And, you know, with the Kings, we always like to run in transition, and he has a good uh, percentage at 62.9%. Uh, he's also a great pick and roll playmaker, and you know he has great vision and touch when it comes to lobbing and pocket passes. And again, and those highlights really shined <laughs> when uh, he uh, lobs and uh, you know has those uh, bounce passes to the uh, I guess open man when or the open cutter. Excuse me.
0: Yeah, so, like, you know, and with his defense, like, I mean, the Kings, like, defense, you know, was trash, was absolute trash this season. And one of the reasons why we didn't get as many runouts was we couldn't stop the other team from scoring. If he can, like, get those, like, help steals or, like, you know, just force a turnover somehow, like, yes, he would be a terrific, like, on the break finisher. And uh, yeah, like you you mentioned about the passing, yeah, he has he's he put like at least again from the highlight look looks like a guy who just has great feel like for the open pass or like you know a, a high IQ player basically. He he always seems to he seems to have a good idea of where his teammates will be and like what the next pass is. And we'll get into it a little bit later, uh, you know, an elite ball mover like just no just sees the floor better than most people and always kind of knows how to get the offense like moving and flowing. So yeah, i just great, great feel for the game. And yeah, I can't, I can't like hate on guys that just have good feel. Like, like we love Tyrese and this and like his his passing ability is reminiscent of that of Tyrese.
1: Yeah. With him coming off the bench, I, I'm talking about France. If we draft him, It'd be a great addition to the playmaking for sure.
0: Yeah, so. like as the Warriors have shown, like you can't you can't have too many too many of those people.
1: Like mm-hmm.
0: that basically unlocked the Warriors' offense with you know Iggy and Draymond and you know Steph. They're all like really good passers and like Andrew Bogut and those guys like Sean St- Livingston. Those guys are very like high high IQ intelligent passers who just know how to move the ball. Like you can't have too many of those guys and. Having a guy like Tyrese and a Halliburton kind of moving the ball like for you, that that that's a recipe for a really like fun offense, out, like all out like a uh, you know the uh, 2002 um, Kings, but you know not instead of you know Vlade and Weber, you have you have like two different you know Halliburton and uh, Franz, and you know like other guys like Barnes, like Barnes, you know as I mentioned on that Warriors team, like he's not exactly like a black hole or anything, so. He like he can get the ball moving too.
1: Mhm. Now let's go over to some of his offensive games. Uh, he is a pretty smart cutter. He uh he scores at a 71.4% uh, field goal percentage, and he plays well without the ball. Uh, he does use his size and you know has long strides to drive to the rim, and he often resorts to the finger roll and sometimes uh, the euro.
0: Yeah, Um. For, as far as cutting it, like when he cuts, he's a pretty good finisher. He knows how to use his body and his length pretty well. And uh, yeah, as you mentioned, like likes the finger roll, likes to basically do these weird runners at like weird angles. He's not like one of those guys that like, you know, will bully guys j- at least just yet. He's relatively like I forgot to write how many pounds he is, but like, yeah, he's a pretty slight guy, but he has good length and knows how to use it.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, we'll get over to some of the cons later with, um, you know, part of his offense. But to end my notes on his offense, uh, he is kind of an inconsistent three-point shooter, but he has had a 22-game streak where he shot over 40 free, oh, not 40 free, 41.3% if you'll go at 3.6 attempts, which, you know, there is signs of improvement, and I'm pretty sure once he gets in NBA, probably maintain a general area of that sorts uh he ended the year with 34.3 percent however but you know he does still take those pick and rolls when available
0: yeah and we and this is a good transition into yeah a little bit of his weakness although i will say i don't think it's going to be a problem like his he has great touch Mm -hmm. and you know those (laughs) that is actually a skill that's probably harder to teach his mechanics look fine to me, although, like, they do, I mean, it's not, it doesn't look p- beautiful, per se, but, like, it's, I mean, it looks fine. Like, he, it looks like, you know, a fluid motion, he just needs to kind of iron out some of the kinks about it, but, like, I think, I think he'll be a good shooter. I think it's, it's weird that he's inconsistent, and, and but I I think, like, again, with training, I think he, he should be fine.
1: Yeah, speaking about training, uh, he does need to add some strength in him. Uh, I actually didn't write down how much he weighs. Let me check real quick.
0: Yeah, like with like just his slight build. Yeah, that's uh, well. Yeah, let's start with the weaknesses. Like he, he just is slight does not like contact, by the way, and just usually relies on using his length to outstretch the guy, which is not the best recipe in the NBA because yeah, shot blockers will, will bully you into pretty tough shots. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he's going to need to add strength there. Also, weirdly, like, right-hand dominant, which is weird to say. It's, you usually hear left-hand dominant. Like, he does not like to go left. He does not finish well with his left hand. Usually forces tough shots with the right hand. And, yeah, he's going to need to – I hate this. I mean, I can't believe this is a thing, but, like, he needs to work on his left hand. And, uh <laughs> Yeah, does not sh- only uh, w- this is I guess kind of weird, but only really shoots well from the left side of the uh, left side of the floor. Does not shoot well from the right side of the floor because I guess he has like you know his footwork isn't great, and that's another one of those things that kind of attributes to some of his shooting issues. But like yeah, it's tougher to get alignment for him when he's shooting from the right side because he shoots thirty nine percent from three from the left side and twenty one percent from the right side. So. Yeah, that's probably like more footwork. Um, he's gonna, yeah, he's gonna need to work on that and you know do his training on that. Again, I I believe he's gonna be a good shooter, but yeah, he needs to fix these issues.
1: Yeah, among uh of the weaknesses you have mentioned, yeah, he does also lack explosiveness and you know he doesn't fade as much. But then again, I mean, not many people fade at at all anymore unless you're like a super high caliber player like kate uh you know i mean most of offense is i mean pretty much good for uh i guess us as the kings like right? it's good enough for us um other weaknesses he has yeah he does struggle to turn corners and my gosh some of those um quips that um showed him struggling to turn the corners it seemed like he's just dribbling straight from baseline to baseline at times
0: yeah he's he's not like you know he doesn't have a great handle and like he, yeah he just some it's i'm not like tunnel vision but sometimes it feels like he just forces shots and yeah like there are clips of him just like randomly shooting these really ugly like off foot like jump shots basically like from like 20 feet like right right-handed shot off the right foot from like 20 feet for no reason and yeah again he needs to work on his footwork it's just, i think his uh, shooting issues that's the root of the issues just yeah and again you know take another drink but like yeah he, he needs to work on his strength like a lot <laughs> working on his strength does fix a lot of these things because oh yeah again he shies away from contact mm-hmm. he, he is a slight guy and yeah you Again, in the NBA, if you don't know how to use your body, good luck finishing at the rim.
1: Yeah, like you have mentioned, he he does lack that confidence and assertiveness as a shot creator. He does pass on open looks. And, you know, he's not too comfortable with off-the-dribble shots, which, I mean, I feel like, yeah, doesn't really matter too much. I think he can improve uh, somewhat in that area once he joins the NBA. But other than that, you know, Just a little inconsistent in shooting. Like, I'm going to say this again. Yeah, like you said, it's the footwork. It's the strength. He does have a, I wouldn't say a slow release. I think it's an average release.
0: Yeah, I think, again, I think the shot is perfectly fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think fundamentally the foundation is pretty good. Like it's mm-hmm. he'll, he'll be able to get it off again. He just needs to work on like fixing his balance and footwork. And yeah, he's uh, he, his shooting off the dribble is not good. Like mm-hmm. He can't, it's actually bad enough to the point where like, he can't even do the shot fake one dribble sidestep three. Like if <laughs> Vicini brought that up and yeah, it, he needs to smoothen out that motion. And, but again, as, as we've said, like the, the stuff that's hard to teach, like the touch it's there. So, like, that's a good thing. And, you know, usually those guys will always kind of project as, you know, becoming good shooters. Uh, if you could pull up, do you, do you have what he shot from the free throw line?
1: Uh, he has shot 83.5%
0: that is terrific. So, yes, there are there's a lot of evidence to back up that he will be a good shooter. So, I'm not worried about his shooter shooting and it seems like that's going to be his big swing skill. And if he can somehow get also get a, lot, a bit more explosive as you said, cannot really blow by guys struggles to turn the corner. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to be an issue like, you know, the they're going to probably put, uh, like, there are going to be times where they're going to put guards on him. And I feel like, you know, if he can just smoothen out that motion of his, he can just shoot over them. He has long arms. And, yeah, unless they're, like, going to guard him with, like, a, a big wing. Like, I think he can take advantage of, like, smaller guys guarding him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think I think his offensive game will smoothen itself out. Will he be a star? I don't know. But, like, yes, like, a lot of the stuff that's hard to teach, like, a passing feel, defensive feel, like, he has these very attractive skills that he's already good at. It's just that it's weirdly enough like if he can shoot is the big is the big question mark with him and at which I don't think is a question mark.
1: Yeah I mean to in my opinion, I think he'll be a star role player <laughs> that's uh, that's the ceiling for me uh, for him or my daughter for him when he joins the NBA.
0: We'll we'll get into his comparisons later, but uh before we do that, uh yes, as you mentioned, would have de- declared for the 2020 NBA draft if not for COVID. He, like Kai Jones, won academic awards at Michigan. I did not see what he got as his GPA, but he was a very good student. Uh, was part of the All Academic team at the Big Ten, not the Big Twelve, but the Big Ten. Mm. And you know, interesting little tidbit. I don't know if this if there's a report, but I do not remember who is from. But he – apparently someone – a team has promised that they'll draft him in the lottery. And and this is not, like, reported anywhere, but a lot of people speculate that it's the Kings. Mm -hmm. So, yes, he probably is going to go in the lottery to some team. And I see what – I see the allures with him. Again, I don't know about, like, a star per se, but, like, he's – He's got a lot of tools that that would help a lot of teams. You know, as you as you mentioned, a star role player. Like again, he might not be like you know a ten a ten time All Star, but like he's gonna be a useful player.
1: Yeah. Now that you mentioned that, uh, you know, a team is bound to you know or not bound was going to pick him. I I think I saw an article in King's Herald that mentioned that we have a pretty or high I guess possibility of picking him.
0: I th- yeah, I think I just saw a uh, Brendan Nunes say that he's basically like if, if the Kings keep the ninth pick, he would pick Franz Wagner over Moses Moody. Mm. Like a lot of guys like him again, the, the feel stuff like is hard to teach. Again, I have questions about his on-ball defense just because like, on, you know, your go you know, he's, he, he did do a great job with college athletes, but like the NBA is a whole nother animal. You're going to have a lot more quicker guys. And I think he can hold up against twos and threes. It's the ones and it's the ones, fours and fives that kind of give me a little give me a little hesitation in t- in terms of like his on ball defense. Like he's gonna struggle there, but like to start at least before he's able to add a substantial amount of you know weight and strength. But like yeah, I think the I think the instinctual stuff like he's gonna be able to contribute on the defensive end, much like a Halliburton did. Uh, mm-hmm. you know this this last year.
1: Yeah, as long as he could produce like we've seen in those clips, I think I'm perfectly fine picking him, whether or not it's the ninth pick or we somehow trade down. Which he is projected to be, at, I believe, top twenty.
0: Yeah, so like it's there's this very it's it's very much like last year, but it's not like from two to not from like two to fourteen. Instead, it's like from about eight to twenty. Like all these guys, you can kind of shuffle around. Like there could be all, all the possibility that Jalen Johnson goes at eight, for some reason. Mm-hmm. Like, even though I have him like down in the twenties. Like it, there's a there's a big gray area, and even honestly, even in the top, the it used to be a top six, now it's more of a top five with Jonathan Kaminga like slipping a lot. Like he could end up with the Kings for all we know. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of uncertainty and honestly, like 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 last year. There could be like, you know, what the Bulls there where they picked Patrick Williams, the Mark Four, for some reason. Yeah. And that <laughs> fucks up the entire order. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, like the There, there, like I think the top four is gonna be the top four. Number one is most, more than likely, gonna be K. Two, two, there's like Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, and Suggs, depending on like which mock that you see. And then five, like, is probably gonna be Scotty Barnes. And then six to around ten is gonna be kind of up in the air.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or six to eight specifically. Six to eight is very up in the air. And then nine to twenty is, yeah, it's pretty unclear
1: yeah we'll have to see Maybe we will find another gem in the dirt by tyrese Halpern.
0: you shall see but yeah um the comparisons that um that um and the like have was uh andre karolenko and denny advia and mm-hmm. although i he reminds me like not that much in play style but like he reminds me a little bit of belly just because they're white basically but Uh-oh. Like, but in a weird inverse role where, like, instead of being, like, you know, really good on offense, Franz is really good on defense. And, Mm -hmm. like, you know, like, Belly wasn't, like, atrocious on defense. He had very long arms. And you can kind of flip the offensive and the defensive game, and you kind of have basically what Franz is.
1: Mm, I see
0: and I think uh, this was a comparison that Brendan Nunes had, had. I'm pretty sure other people had too, but Robert Covington is like a pretty good comparison. Guy that's you know has offensive question marks, but is a very good team defender.
1: Yeah, like I said, any role player, or he's a star role player in my eyes, so we'll have to see who we choose.
0: Yeah, Robert Covington is a very, like, is a very, you know, co- coveted, no no pun intended, coveted, like, asset. Like, he's been traded for multiple first round picks in the past <laughs> few years. Like, he, he's got value, and that's because what he does on the court does have a lot of value. Like, he can shoot and can, you know, like, really, you know, up. Like raise the defensive ceiling of, of a team. Although like Portland was a fucking train wreck, so there's not much you can save there. But <laughs> like, yeah, like he is a guy that helps you win games.
1: Speak of Robert, where is he at
0: right now? He is in Portland. Oh, still. Although we'll see where he ends up by the end of by the end of the off yeah. especially if Dame is going to get moved. Like chaos will ensue. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, that's it for our draft analysis. Uh, Before we move on to the workouts and the news, I do want to quickly get like if you if you were let's just say the draft right now, it's going to be next week. Who would Mm -hmm. you pick out of the guys that we've reviewed so far? So we have um, uh, Moses Moody, Dyer Williams, James Booknight, and uh, who's the uh, Corey Kispert, uh, Franz Wagner and Kai Jones who would be your number one guy that you would pick if they were let's just assume they were all available
1: Ooh, I think I'd pick Moses Moody
0: Moses Moody well I pick Kay Cunningham I'm just gonna uh, there's no there's no way but uh, uh I saw that joke go around so many times but um you know what like I was gonna say I would have said Moses Moody last week but I'm getting mm. talked into James book Knight. <laughs> Oh boy. I I I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with James Booknight. Like it, it's just something about what Booknight does. He plays basketball. Like he get, he goes out there and gets buckets. Like he th- there's a like a, a completely defined there's a defined skill that he has that's kind of hard to go around and especially with how this playoffs has played out. What it has shown is that offense is king in the playoffs granted we're not in the playoffs so like it's maybe not the best pick if you if if we're thinking about getting to the playoffs but Mm -hmm. like i i just i'm just like i'm all in on just getting bucket getters and like you know you'll figure out the defense later on because sometimes the best defense is that you just make baskets on one end and granted that's what we did last year and didn't turn out that well but like i just think with more shot creation I think it can really alleviate like some of like Fox's burden. So he could kind of, you know, focus a little bit more on defense. And if he's focusing more on defense, I think that can actually fix a lot of defensive issues that we had last year.
1: Ooh, that's an interesting. Hmm. I, I would say, yeah, James Booknight is my top three. I think it would
0: fix a lot of the offensive issues that we have, which is getting to the free throw line and shot creation.
1: Oh dear gosh! <laughs> yeah, don't don't even mention about free throws. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, we need more of those.
0: Although I will say, like, Book Night is is probably the least likely to be to be dropping to nine. Like, I think like from what I've heard, like, Warriors are very high on him. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, but Moses Moody it's, uh, on the uh, Athletic NBA Draft. Uh, I think the Orlando. No, no, the Warrior the Warriors took Moses Moody, and I was very sad. Hmm yeah i mean he, he'd be perfect on the
1: warriors Ooh, yeah oh man this...
0: so yeah like it. who who knows like that's the that's the weird thing like moody has dropped all the way to 14 on some mock drafts and i get why like that one of the reasons why he's dropped a little bit for me is just because it seems like his ceiling is going to be very low like that like uh, although he's still young so i don't really buy that but like you know he's not a quick uh quick quick to twitch athlete like his physical abilities, like he's not a good finisher around the rim. He's not like a great passer. Although I feel those things can be fixed. He you know, he has he has a good a good looking jump shot and you know knows how to play and is a very long defender. Like I'm pretty sure Monty McNair sees that sees that wingspan and starts salivating, but like there are just things like Book Knight does, like he knows how to go get buckets. And again, in this at this playoffs has shown like there is nothing more valuable than a guy that can that can go get buckets when you need him to.
1: Mm hmm. Oh, I guess we'll have to see because those I mean, any of those picks would be pretty fine with me in in the Kings offense or even defense, if you could say.
0: Yeah, Covington is Covington Uh, front. (laughs) Wagner is probably my third. I Moses Moody second and then Wagner third and then Zaire Williams. I'm yeah. not. I'm not in, into drafting another center. Right? Oh. Although although Kai Jones would be a great center to draft because he is a guy that that can actually guard on the perimeter. Is projects to be one anyway. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I. I'm so like that's why I'm not high on a uh, Alfrin Singun, you know the Turkish League MVP, who's you know a guy that you know has a back to the basket game, who seems to be really good. He's even number four on uh on John Hollinger's uh, draft big board, which is pretty crazy. Like, I just don't want another center. Like, it just seems, especially with, you know, Sengun's, like, defensive concerns, like, yeah, that's a pretty big red flag for me. For me, for, For the Kings, specifically, because we're so bad on defense, we cannot afford to have another guy who is going to be a minus defender.
1: Oh, boy. Yeah, you're telling me.
0: Although well, like a guy like Usman, Usman Garuba would like would interest me, but I I don't see him going nine. We would trade back for him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Other than yeah, that, like, yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm I'm all for wings and guards.
1: Yeah, like I said, it's a toss up, and who knows? Maybe we will drop the center. For oh god, no! I can't say that. I don't want another center in in the draft. <sighs>
0: we'll we'll see what they do on draft night like we're still waiting for the first domino to drop Mm -hmm. in terms of trades because there will be trades on draft night
1: are the kings
0: are going to be the ones to initiate it or you know that that's the real question but yeah unfortunately we're just gonna have to wait for now
1: yeah exactly a week from now so we'll have to see
0: and we, I hopefully will be able to do one more draft analysis before it's been tough to schedule these, but like, hopefully I can, cause like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of getting interested in Josh Giddey. Like Maybe We'll probably do one on Josh Giddy if we do end up doing an episode and probably one other guy,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: like, yeah, I want to do one before like the draft, just, you know, the calm before the storm.
1: Okay.
0: So, you know, Josh Giddy will be, will be a, will be a guy next week. Hopefully we can get it. We can get that released. But yeah, and another guy. We'll we'll I'll I'll try to we'll we'll try to like decide who will be the second guy and final guy that we're gonna go we're gonna analyze and yeah we'll see if the Kings decide on drafting someone or they're gonna be willing to trade it.
1: We shall see.
0: Since we are speaking of trades. We're gonna actually, you know, have a little bit of a commercial break of sorts. We're gonna talk about some workouts and a little bit of Kings news, and which is actually related to trades. But yes, there have there were a lot of workouts, although none of them were announced by the Kings. All of these were literally, I guess, done by people on the, on the ground, aka on Instagram, because uh, there are guys on Kings Twitter who keep an eye on uh, play these draft. Um, these draft picks is uh, Instagrams, and the only way that they were able to find out that these guys had workouts is either through like press conferences, where like for example, I think it was Moses Moody or uh, I think it was either James Bocanegra or Moses Moody who, who at a press conference were basically saying, yeah, tomorrow they're the next day they were to go to Sacramento to do a workout. The other way is that th- there have been people that just are kind of just following like say Alfred sangoon on. Um, on instagram and they found out that he posted a picture in front of the golden one center that is the only way that they can that uh, the fans know who has worked out for the kings or who hasn't so here's a here's a list of the players that have current or like this is the most updated list that i have and it's from brett huff you know shout out to him on twitter uh keon johnson alfred singun moses moody jalen johnson Corey kispert kai jones jaden springer Zaire williams jared butler trey murphy i think there also has been other ones but like this is the list that i could find and uh yeah um moses moody's there um Zaire williams has worked out for us and i'm um, and also apparently frank mason as well
1: wait frank mason the third frank mason the third oh <laughs> that's a that's kind of random is he uh, thinking about coming back uh, as a two-way possibly
0: i wouldn't know because the kings don't report anything so let's <laughs> yeah it's it's so weird how this is happening it's somewhat of a breath of fresh air in a way because like at least it seems like the kings aren't just like randomly leaking things it's kind of cool in a way to see that they're very they're keeping these things so tight-knit like right? You know, it's it's good to see, like, there's no, like, you know, front office chaos, I guess, in a way.
1: As much as I like Frank Mason, I mean, I do not like how, you know, he's small and it could be a defensive issue when it comes to playing games. But, you know, then again, we also have Kyle Goddard and Justin James. I don't know. I don't know where uh, Frank Mason would fit if he does, you know, come back to the Kings.
0: Oh, I'm sorry he upsets you, Vince McMahon. I'm sorry he's tiny. There's nothing he can do.
1: Like,
0: <sighs> so, yeah, but yeah, I mean, like, I, I again, I love Davion Mitchell. Like, everything about him says he's going to be a contributor, if not a star. Like, I feel like in in, in one universe, he, he can be kind of Donovan Mitchell. He could be the Donovan Mitchell of this uh, draft, but I can't get over the fact that he's 6'1", 6'2", technically listed. Yeah. Like, it's it's unfortunate.
1: Yeah, I mean, size does matter in some ways, and, you know, maybe someone will find the size in a more efficient way than uh, what we're thinking, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, it's unfortunate, like, Davion Mitchell is a baller, is a dog, like, he Mm -hmm. would fix, he he would be able to make an impact on day one here, but... Again, I just I'm just, I just I'm just that guy that just can't get over the fact that he is 6'1", mm-hmm. Like, so it's unfortunate, but like honestly, if we trade down, I wouldn't mind it. Like, if he's like pick number sixteen or something like that, yeah, I'm I'm down with that. I I just don't want him to be number nine.
1: Yeah, I mean we'll never know until next week.
0: Anyways, there there was uh, on the next piece of Kings news. Uh, Rashawn sat down with Sham Sharania for an interview. And basically, you know, they talked about kind of his NBA journey thus far, his time during the process coming up in that and being a journeyman and finally finding a home here in Sacramento after uh, Phoenix didn't resign him. And he, he thanks Sacramento for, like, being able to take, basically taking a chance on him and give, and, you know, believing in him. And then he kind of ends the interview by basically saying that or Shams specifically asked him what, what his plans are for free agency, and he says the best advice, ev- Rashawn did, um, basically says that the best advice that he got um, from you know people around him say, is basically that do what is best for him and his family.
1: Mm. Oh, that as a Kings fan, that doesn't sound too good. <laughs> but I mean, if he is getting paid that money, I think, yeah, he deserves it. I mean, he's probably going to get offers like upwards of what 18 to 20, you think? I
0: don't think he'll get 20 unless, like, um, like here, here's the thing <laughs> so uh, I saw another name that's also kind of demanding 20 year 20 mil per year, it's Norman Powell. And I'm like, <laughs> eh, please, <laughs> you're not getting 20 million. <laughs> but, but like it seems like you know, like um, John Collins, like he could demand twenty million, and mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not saying this to trash Rashad, but like it seems like a, every a lot of people are trying to just kind of like test the market, like that's what they want, twenty million. Now the market will decide what your price is, and like you know it, you only get what you're actually offered. I'm not sure anyone's gonna offer him upwards of like 16 million or i I think someone will offer him 18 million i'm not sure about 20 it's not that big of a difference but like i i don't know what the market is for him again you know he he's a great he's a great role player like you talk about a, a superstar in his role he is a superstar in his role like there's a reason why he completely like basically played um played marvin out of the rotation in the fourth quarter he He's really he's a really good small ball center, but that's really what he is. He is a small ball five, but he's in that weird limbo where he's too he's too good to be a backup coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. He isn't really a starting center. Yeah. His real position is that he's a four, but in today's league, he because he can't shoot, he can't play the four. Or he has to play next to a five that can shoot him. Sacramento's not had that really, like unless you want to say Marvin is a, you know, a shooting four or a shooting five. Like, but he's not reliable. He's not reliable enough from there, from outside yet. So like, in reality, he has to play the five. But again, he's overqualified to be a, a bench guy. But he's not. He's just not a starting five.
1: Yeah, I mean, for now, I guess we'll have to wish him the best and hopefully. Well, we could sign him to something cheaper, but the doubts are pretty low at the moment for me.
0: Yeah, the chances are not good, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my heart on this one and say that he will return. I think I think someone gets moved. Like one of one of Barnes, Buddy, or Marvin will get moved.
1: Yeah, that's the draft. The, yeah, that's the case. Yeah, I'd say I'd offer him what 15 to 17.
0: OK, so well, quickly, um, well, actually, but before we do that, oh, on in the interview, he also mentioned that one. so fighting for minutes behind Okafor and MB during the process years made him a very made him tough. So I just want to kind of throw that in there. And I thought that was interesting because, yeah, he I mean, he fight he plays with fire. He brings a toughness about him again. He is small, but you can see him fight, you know, like really have that fight in him. And, you know, mm. it's too bad that the Kings defense is so bad that it doesn't show as much, but like, yeah, he's a guy that really plays hard and yeah, is a tough, is a tough dude. I
1: mean, yeah. I mean, he can't carry the Kings defense out. I mean, <sighs> he's not,
0: he's not that kind of, de- he's not a transformational defense. He's not Rudy Goldberg. <laughs> like no. it, That's just a fact, unfortunately. And uh, yeah. Oh, so I want to get your thoughts on this. So Matt George uh, released an episode, I think yesterday where he basically made this trade, Uh buddy healed in the ninth pick. For a swap with the Pelicans for Eric Bledsoe in the 10th pick. So wait. On the surface, what what do you think of that? Eric Bledsoe? Eric Bledsoe, yes. Oh, no. And yes, we do swap the picks.
1: From 9 to 10, you say? Yes. How much is Eric
0: Bledsoe getting paid? So... So I think he's uh, somewhere around like maybe 16 or I, I forgot to look up the numbers, but it's, I think it's 16 or to 17 million this year. But next next off season, it's uh, he has like I think only three million dollars guaranteed. So after next, so the next off season, you ba- we basically open up a ton of cap space.
1: Okay, if that's the case, that's not bad in terms of. Uh, opening up cat space, but Eric Bledsoe, uh, I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> I think it's a downgrade,
0: honestly. I'd rather just, like, if I mean, the money is the reason. So like, a lot of people were flaming him on Twitter for this because, uh, let's be honest, Eric Bledsoe is a huge downgrade. Oh yeah. In my opinion. In my opinion, and but people, people tend to undervalue what Buddy does bring. He is a very healthy player. Eric Bledsoe has not been healthy for the past few seasons. And, mm-hmm. you know, what Buddy brings on offense, he, he was inconsistent as a shooter, but he does, like, at least provide the shooting threat and spacing. So, like, yeah, I mean, we take Buddy for granted on those things, and I do think th- those things have value. Eric Bledsoe was not good defensively last year on what was a very weirdly bad uh, de- defense. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, uh, he's a very much a talent downgrade, but the reason why he made this trade— is that is for the salary relief next summer? And also, there isn't actually that big of a difference for the most part um, in the ninth and tenth pick. I mean, you, like let's just say Moody and uh, uh, Wagner were both on the board. Like you probably want the ninth pick, but he basically said that it doesn't really matter because he wanted Franz Wagner and he was there at mm. ten.
1: So. I see. Well, would you do that? <sighs> More for <friends? laughs> sure but definitely uh that it's just going to be it, it's uh, no uh, i i i just can't think of Eric up being on the Kings in, in i i could, i wouldn't be able to do it either
0: that's uh, <laughs> the thing find find a better deal for buddy i imagine yeah. he can get you something a little bit better although he did say like he tried everything and just granted he did this with other beat writers Meaning, like other journalists and like nobody wanted buddy. So maybe, maybe this is the reality. Like this is, might be the reality of what we get instead of say like a Kyle Kuzma or something like that, mm-hmm. or like a Ben Simmons. But yeah, the, if there's no bet, like, I would just find a way to look for a better trade. I, I don't want Eric Bledsoe. Okay. Well, we were talking about trades earlier. Well, this was uh, interesting to say the least. So Damian Lillard is not having is basically done everything except straight up publicly demand a trade. Although, like all the all kind of the you know background rumbling is that he is he has requested a trade if like they cannot if Portland cannot upgrade the roster and give him basically ensure that like they are trying to build a championship contender. And he doesn't see and he doesn't kind of change his mind on like whether or not they can be one. He is looking for a trade. And there was a report by Kevin O'Connor who basically said there have been multiple teams very aggressive in pursuing Damian Lillard. I think Minnesota was in there. I think was I don't remember if Cleveland was in there. But what was definitely in there was the Kings have been aggressively pursuing Damian
1: Lillard. Oh boy. What are your thoughts on that? It's it's a it's gonna be a steep price, but man, Dame and Sack, I would love that. Just the price I cannot fathom to think about.
0: So what I've heard from James Ham is that the, the era, fox is untouchable, no matter what. Mm-hmm. He, he, there's just no real scenario that uh, James Ham. I'm not talking. I'm not saying the front office, but James Ham cannot see in, under any circumstances that uh, Fox has moved. So, which basically means Halliburton is going to be the one.
1: Oh dear God.
0: Uh, so I did do a thought exercise. So you know, if Portland pulls the trigger this summer, which is which uh, actually in the article that it, what I just mentioned is very unlikely this off season. Uh. If they pull, if they pull the trigger on a Dame trade, they're rebuilding. I highly doubt they're gonna keep, they're they're gonna keep CJ and those guys and maybe try and chase the eighth seed. I, I don't think they can even get the eighth seed without Dame because they barely got it with him. So, although they were, I think they were the sixth seed this year, but like they were pretty close to the eighth seed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, like they're gonna blow it up. So I guess the my the thought exercise I did was, what would they want? So do they want draft picks? Or do they want to do what I just mentioned, which I'd highly doubt they would do, but which is get players back? Like say, like Philly really wants uh, Dame. Well, th- the easy, the easy th- like guy that you can name is Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. So like, would they want a guy like Ben Simmons, or would they want a ton of draft picks?
1: Ooh, yeah, I'm thinking draft picks.
0: Okay, so if they want draft picks. They're not gonna want it from from the 76ers. You trade Dame there. They're gonna be a damn good team, and you're gonna get what the 28th pick, mm-hmm. <laughs> like for four for four years, or like four yeah four picks that end up like being in the 20s. Like, is that a lot of value? No, it is not. So like you know, and like you know your draft picks are not gonna be that good if you do end up taking Simmons. So you might want to go into a full on tank tank mode. Well, I don't know what they want, but let's just assume they want to go into full-on tank mode. So they want to be bad. So they want some young players. So that probably includes Tyrese Maxey from the from the 76ers. But then, but then I guess who are where are the other young players going to come from? And the thought exercise that well the well the path that I went down is that they're going to need a third team to get involved, and I think the Kings can offer something there. Marvin Bagley. Needs minutes. <laughs> guys like Justin James, Jemias Ramsey, uh, Robert Woodruff—they need minutes. These are some young players. Help! I, I hate—I mean, I—I I really don't want to like let him go. Tyrese Halliburton—he's a young guy with a, t- a ton of potential. Uh, you can play him and develop him into pos- maybe an All-Star someday. Like, th- so there are those guys, and then we—and then we can also offer draft picks. Dame is not going to come. Now, in this, the in all the paths that I went through, I don't see Dame coming to Sacramento. I think this. Is, I think if the Kings are going to, quote-unquote, get aggressive in pursuing Dame, I think it's going to be to reroute him to another team. I don't see any any scenario where he comes to sack. And I don't see a scenario where it makes sense for him to come to sack, to be honest, because he is on the older side. And, you know, if you're going to keep Fox, that, that's a 6-1 and 6-3 guard uh, backcourt. How is this that much different than than Portland? Although Mm. I do think Fox will be better than CJ uh, in the coming years, but like, it's not going to be like, it's not something like Dame would sign up for. I don't think. So Mm. I see him being rerouted to like another team and say again, a Philly. So they're, so let's, so they're probably going to want draft picks from us. And depending on what player we get, like, you know, I just think that the picks from the Kings, like almost using like us using the Kings's reputation as almost a reverse psychology trick where the Kings's picks are going to be valued much higher because we're the Kings and we can Kang's this any moment. And those draft picks might end up being a bunch of lottery picks.
1: <laughs>
0: so to use that as like reverse psychology, you sell them on the fact you sell Portland, on the fact that these are going to be high draft picks and that. You know, why not like you know you don't want Ben Simmons? Why not reroute him to us? I I don't know if this could work. This is just all theoretical, and that would be kind of a basis of a package of a three-team trade, I think. Yeah. Basically, uh, picks from picks from the Kings to Portland and young players. Uh, you know they, um, seventy-sixers send over send Ben Simmons to the Kings and probably Tyrese Maxey to the, to the Portland trailblazers. We send, again, we send over picks, Tyrese, uh, Marvin, uh, Marvin and Jamias Ramsey and, uh, Robert Woodard and, you know, Justin James, We want to do that too. Like, and then we, we get Ben Simmons and we have a pretty strong core players in there. And, uh, that's how I would see the, kind of the foundation of a trade. I'm not saying that it would be something exactly like this, but I think it would be something along the lines of this.
1: Ooh, that's interesting. I didn't even think about a free team trade. I was just thinking... Like, problem if, with the
0: problem with three-team trades is that the, the, the possibilities are endless.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking... Uh, it's going to be like Tyrese, it's probably Robert Woodard, and... Yeah, I was thinking badly too, and I, I was just going to say, pick as many picks as you want. That Two of them, I, I'm thinking, like, three.
0: Yeah, you should just, like, essentially, like, you know, if they're doing this over a Zoom meeting, just go on your table and just basically just put, put a bunch of cards on there, how many you want. <laughs> That's basically <laughs> how, how I would go, like, you want six? Cool. It's like, what years? <laughs> well, you could choose any years. Yeah, probably like ultimate. I think I think it's gonna take like six, Jeez, like three six. draft picks and three swaps. Be like probably how it would look. Maybe you can like maybe like you know Sixers could feel could feel the urge to like you know get involved and maybe add one or two of their draft picks, however they're valued. If like Portland will take that, but again, like if you're I I, I I'm I'm very willing to pay a high price for Simmons. Although again six six picks three picks and three swaps that's a high price <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure of that I'm not sure if I'm willing to part away with that but I just I just don't think Philly can get it done like just by themselves with with just Portland and the fact that the Kings have been linked to both of these teams smells to me, like you know James Hammond has said this smells like the, the, there's a there's kind of a foundation for a three team trade there. Yeah.
1: Oh man, that's that's definitely blockbuster, definitely. But man, that that is hard to see. <laughs>
0: and also think about it this way: w- well, like, why wouldn't why wouldn't Portland like negotiate with the Knicks, the oh, um no. the Knicks or Mi- Minnesota, Cleveland? I'm gonna give you some names from the Knicks. Like, is is R.J. Barrett like more attractive than Tyrese Halliburton? <sighs> That's a tough one, right? I'd say no. (laughs) Yeah, like, uh, I mean, we're biased, but, like, I think Ty— Like, I actually looked this up on Basketball Reference. Tyrese overall is a better player than than, uh, R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett's offense is actually really bad. His defense is a little better. But Kings were one of the worst defenses in the league, so that really dragged down uh, Tyrese's value. But, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, like, so— you know, like, I I think it pretty clearly you will want Tyrese instead of R.J. Barrett, I think anyway. And mm. like, yeah, maybe you want to include Obi Toppin in there. Like that moves the needle. <laughs> <laughs> um, like from the Minnesota Timberwolves, unless Carl Anthony Towns or Anthony Edwards is involved, I don't think Portland does it. Like, do you want D'Angelo Russell?
1: I can't even think Minnesota would do that either. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's actually tricky because they're like him and Kat are best friends and you can't really trade his best friend. That's going to piss him off and he's going to want out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, yeah, like, I mean, even even if like Dila was on the table to like, would you want him over Tyrese? Maybe like, but I think Tyrese, like, especially if you're going to do it this offseason, like Tyrese has an limitless like you really don't know just because he didn't have a training camp and, and was already this good. Like, is there another level that he can hit? And like, we saw how good he was at the end of the season before he got injured. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like it, Tyrese, I think is so is probably the most attractive asset. Like Cleveland, Colin Sexton. Like, really? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love I love Colin Sexton. The, the, I'm I'm just saying, like, you can get Tyrese. Like, I will go. I will get
1: Tyrese. Yeah, I mean, we have. The better assets out of all of them so oh man it's yeah. someone someone did bring up well
0: well how, how well like would when the when portland like how, how would you beat if if the lakers offer portland ad
1: what first
0: of all they're not going to offer ad <laughs> that's stupid <laughs> that's stupid and like i, I don't even know if portland would take him honestly if you think about it he's not a franchise carrying superstar
1: well, not from what we've seen so far, or what like in the past, but you know, like
0: you know, unrealistic trades like that. Like you would have to get pretty unrealistic to to a certain degree to really beat that Tyrese package.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's kind of my point. That's why it's interesting to me. I think it's more. I think I think more than likely it's going to be a three-team trade, and it's going to be crazy.
1: oh man, I I really can't wait for the first trades to come out.
0: And we're it's, waiting for that first domino to fall, and once it happens, it's gonna be pandemonium. Mm-hmm. Especially if Dame is the one that's actually moved. Like I don't think he's gonna be moved, but like if he does, that like you know the next year we'll, we'll get to it. But like Nets are coming back healthy, and like they're probably gonna be deadlocked with the uh, deadlocked with the Milwaukee Bucks. Like, but if Dame goes to goes to uh the 76ers, that shake, that shakes up the, that shakes up the East.
1: <laughs> oh yeah.
0: Oh, so, yeah. We're well, we're gonna wait for that first domino to fall. Tell me, tell me what you guys think. Like kingsderbypod at gmail.com. Is this a crazy ass idea, or is this possibly, you know, feasible?
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, I feel like it's feasible, but man, that I, I really do not want to get rid of Tyrese. I and we're just getting started with him too.
0: Okay, well, uh, last piece of Kings news. Um, so, well, not really. M- more Kings speculation. We're talking about trades. So we keep talking about. So like the Suns were basically where the Kings were pre-bubble. After bubble, it was kind of different. <laughs> like let's not remember that. But like you know, last year the the Suns very much were in the same boat as the Kings in terms of like just kind of bottom feeding, like kind of going in the wrong direction. And they basically go 8-0 in the bubble and get CP3, and all of a sudden they're in the finals. So like you know, all, all year like we've been talking like, is there a CP3 guy that like, the Kings can go after this off season to you know really turn the ship around for them? And you know I'm, I'm you know there's there's like Kyle Lowry and those guys. Uh, who's in a, Demar Derozan would be an interesting one, but I don't think they're realistic. Not that this one is any more realistic, but. Well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go into more detail later, but, you know, the Suns did lose the finals and the CP3 situation is going to be very tricky for them. Do they do they trade him or do they give him an extension? There's a very real uh, possibility that he does not stay in Phoenix.
1: Oh. Are you saying that we should pursue him?
0: Yes. Should we go after CP3? Like, we need a CP3 guy to lead, to be that leader, teach these guys how to play basketball, teach them what it's like to win, what you need to do to win, and you know, a CP3 like figure. So, who better to go after than CP3 himself?
1: Oh gosh, I don't. Uh, to be honest, I, I don't know. Like, for his age, and I don't know if we have the right pieces to surround that. Uh, type of player uh, is is a tough choice. I would say no, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, it, it, it'll be tricky. Yeah, the, the I mean, like I think I think we I think you can get CP through and figure it out later because I think you can fill fill up like you know we have we do have the mid level exception. You can sign another wing with that, and you can kind of figure it out from there. But like I think the foundation could be there if like if the Kings really want to do it. Because wherever there's a will, there's a way. Like I know the money is going to be really tricky. I think there's a way for us to get CP3 in, in in Sacramento, but again, it would be tricky. Um, um, and by the way, he has a forty, oh, he has a forty-something million dollar option. I don't know the exact amount,
1: but uh, yeah, see it's, right it's, now. it's just too much. <laughs> the, those dollar signs ain't uh, uh, appealing to uh, me right now.
0: Speaking, well, you know, speaking of CP3, like, you know, th- you know, the finals just ended his player options. Forty four million dollars. Um, so. So, yeah. Um, So speaking of CP3, let, let's talk. Let's talk about the Bucks versus the Suns. Uh, Bucks are the 2021 NBA champions after the after they basically closed out the Suns in game six. An amazing performance from Giannis, 50 points. You know, 17 of 19 from the free throw line. I forgot. I think I want to off the top of my head. I think 14 rebounds, two assists, five blocks, six turnovers. But like, (laughs) you know, absolutely dominating performance. He he came into like the game start out so ugly. Everyone was nervous. Everyone was a little tight. But Giannis came to play. He did not want to go back to game seven. Go back to Phoenix for game seven. He wanted to close this shit out and be the become the champion. And he showed up.
1: Yeah, I got to give props to him, hundred percent, because I did not expect the Suns to go down this way. And my gosh, that that man Giannis, pretty much, yeah. Carried this uh, team all the way through four games straight after two straight losses. Man, I couldn't believe it. I thought I thought the Suns would have or could have won maybe one or two more games. What am I saying? One more game between those four games, but no, oh, no. Giannis kept on playing. After that injury too, oh man, it, it's just... It's, I
0: mean, it feels crazy to think he was going to like I thought it was a torn ACL or something mm-hmm. like the fact that we thought that he was going to be out and all of a sudden he plays game one, which was I was I was shocked when that notification came out that he was actually going to play. And yeah, I mean, he came back, didn't miss a single beat like he's just, I mean, he, I mean, it looks like he just there was no effect on that knee. And yeah, like, again, to to completely show like, To come out the way he did in game six, again, the desire, the fire that he came out with, he wanted that shit. And he just said, everyone just get them, follow my lead, and I will take you to the promised land. And that's exactly what he did.
1: Yeah, he's definitely one of the new goats of our generation. And uh, man, I, I have a feeling, I, I, I feel like they should check on that <laughs> again and make sure that nothing's wrong because it is that injury is crazy to think about coming back and bouncing back and scoring dismay points and doing this much for that atrocious team. Oh man.
0: Yeah. I mean, shout out well, of course, shout out to Chris Middleton, like, you know, never gets any elevation on a shot, but it somehow goes in like his, mm-hmm. like hit, he hit the dagger that basically at, ended the game. Yeah. Drew Holiday shot four for 19 somehow, but like was so, good on defense. Like, there's a reason why Booker shot shot terrible, you know, 8 for 22. And the funny thing is is that CP3 actually shot really well, 11 for 19. And people were saying, you he looks a lot better. Although, honestly, when I was watching, it didn't feel like it because he had some weird turnovers. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like Chris Paul, like, shot well. And it was one of the reasons why is because Drew Holiday wasn't on him. <laughs> like, Drew Holiday was just so... The fact that he was able to make Devin Booker and uh, and CP three uncomfortable, the way he was able to like kind of neuter um, Chris Paul for you know games four and five, and in turn neutering De- DeAndre Ayton because he was the guy that ma- you know made Ayton work, like being able to draw the defense and find him for lobs and like easy layups at the rim, but like Drew Holiday put, turned up the pressure, and ju- and yeah. Um, Uh, Chris Paul just couldn't really find a way to figure it couldn't find a way to kind of attack him like effectively. Yeah, just all the credit in the world to um, Drew Holiday for that. And of course, you know, you know, he shot four for 19. We'll ignore that since they won. And, you know, shout out to Bobby Portis, Mr. Crazy Man Joker Joker face. Um, (laughs) And yeah, Brooke Lopez, like he had some good minutes. I mean, It was a team effort. I will say like I was rooting for the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm not even a Bucks fan. It was so frustrating to watch them play. They should have blown this team out like in the first or second quarter. And just, they just could not help themselves. And just, but to just let the Suns back in the game. And the game was way, way too close you know, for comfort towards the end.
1: Oh, yeah. You got to tell me that second quarter was all Suns. All Suns. Like, I forgot the field goal <laughs> numbers for the Bucks, but my gosh. It, at one point, I think it was like one for 14. And I was like, gee i don't even remember them scoring that one field goal uh. yeah
0: they just they they cannot help themselves I, I feel bad for like bucks fans who have to watch this shit unfortunately just because it's so frustrating to to you know watch them but credit to them Giannis came through drew holiday came through chris middleton came through bobby portis came through you know M- nba champions congratulations and You know, it was really great and honestly heartwarming to see, uh, you know, um, Giannis break down, like, cry after winning the title. Like, you know, it's – I think this is the first one since probably the Warriors won it with Steph, where, you know, the guy – the you know, the team that actually drafted the, the superstar is actually the one winning the championship for his city. Like, it hasn't happened since Steph. Or you know Cleveland, of course, but like you know LeBron did leave, and <laughs> but like that that raw emotion and just really seeing like a guy doing it for the city that drafted the team that drafted him, it it's a special feeling,
1: mm-hmm. especially at his age too, man.
0: Although I I will I will push back on oh you don't need a super team to to you know win a championship. What are the Bucks? <laughs> They got three like super, not superstars, but like three high, high, high-level stars. They they're a super team. There's a lot of talent on this team. They are like it's. I mean, I get I I get what they were trying to say is that Giannis didn't have to go and join a super team, but the super team came to him. So like mm-hmm. let, let, let's get that out of the way. And you know, a victory for the small markets, cool. That's a nice story. It's. I mean, I I guess it is a victory for the small markets, but it's not small. It's not the small markets fault that they can't get superstars or it's not. It's not that the team doesn't get superstars because they're a small market. It's because these teams are usually shit at running their franchises. So like that, I always hated that narrative, but yeah, like this is a, this is a victory for small markets. And the fact that your superstar superstars don't have to jump from team to team to win championships.
1: Mm hmm. Well said.
0: Although yeah. I will say, like you know, you know, Kyrie doesn't twist his ankle. We don't know.
1: <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Or and Katie, you know, ha-
0: Harden, Harden, you know, has a hamstring. Like
1: we, who knows? Or KD stepped a couple inches back a little.
0: Yeah, uh, KD or- wear his normal shoe, <laughs> like normal <laughs> shoe size.
1: Like they would probably,
0: you know, be hoisting the trophy instead. But you know, let, let's not shit on the uh, let's not shit on the, you know the Bucks parade. Although I will do one more. Yeah, Boonhoser. Credit to him for, you know, making slight adjustments that basically won the game. They figured out that Chris Paul can't shoot layups anymore and relies on the mid-range. So, Burke Lopez, you know, does the incredible thing of stepping up just about a foot higher on screen rolls to discourage him from pulling right away. And, yeah, he made the little adjustments, and the Suns did not, you know, readjust, and they did not go back to their, you know, what they were doing in games one and two, which were just, like— free free-flowing offense you know using that mid-range as a threat to open up the rim getting superior ball movement but instead kind of falling into Devin booker and uh cp3 isos which like they kept isoing on pat coniston which was confusing because pat coniston was playing some good defense mm-hmm. like it was not a barbecue chick it was not a barbecue chicken situation and neither was bobby portis bobby portis played play pretty well like on iso situations so like yeah just Phoenix offense just bogged down the th- last four games, in my opinion. And, yeah, it's uh congratulations to um the, the Milwaukee Bucks. And the Suns, like, let's not shit on them too much. Like, they – I mean, Chris Paul especially should not get as much hate as he is. Like, this guy j- joined a shit – relatively shit team, like, that didn't make the playoffs last year. And carry – and basically, like – was the engine that got them all the way to the finals.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: Like, well. I mean, I don't like a lot of the shenanigans that CP3 does, but there needs to be more respect for him. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, he doesn't have a ring, and it, it this really does not bode well for, like, you know, if you want to do the choking narrative of, like, just constantly blowing leads. They blew a 2-0 lead this time. Like, you know, I think you have to look past that. Because he is a he is an all time he is an all time point guard like he's probably like second or third behind Magic Magic and Stockton, possibly even above Stockton, and yeah I think like it, it should be it really should be said more like he he really did get them to the finals.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, well that's uh, that's it for the um, Bucks versus Suns. Okay, one last question for you: Do you think CP3 stay, stays in Phoenix?
1: <laughs> I have a feeling that he might want to run it back. I have a feeling, but it's just so like, I I don't know where else he could go if he if he is pursuing the championship. I don't know, especially on the price on his head.
0: <laughs> so there was a report, although I think the I think the rumors was started by Magic Johnson, who is not an NBA like insider anymore. So, but he was saying that CP3 should join the Lakers.
1: Uh, i don't know in what world to be honest
0: it is doable it's complicated though it's to say it's tricky it does not does not do it justice it is tough to make that happen
1: mm-hmm. that be interesting i, I really want to see how that goes down if that ever happens
0: I mean, like, apparently the Lakers have a contingency plan. Apparently there's a rumor they might be going after Russell
1: Westbrook. Mm, yeah, I also heard about that. Man. I, I don't know about him either being on the Lakers, too. I think it would be the stupidest trade
0: in the past few years. How does West, Russell Westbrook solve any of your problems? You, you you know, your team couldn't shoot for shit. Like, KCP was your only shooter. And, like, point guard, like, you already have, like, a really good point guard. And, you know, as much as people – as much, as good as he is, Russ is not a point guard. He really is, like, kind of Ben Simmons now. Smaller Ben Simmons. <laughs> yeah, small, small Ben Simmons. Like, he doesn't solve any of their – I mean, if that's really a thing – I, he Rob is smoking some pretty strong cocaine. I don't it's I, I don't get that at all. So that's just me. if if that if that ends up happening, I will laugh my ass off because that is two years two years, eighty something million, I think, or maybe even more than that.
1: Oh, like, gosh,
0: or a guy that really doesn't help you win all that much, I don't think in the playoffs specifically
1: mm-hmm. yeah, well, it's not our money. As we said before, and if it does happen, we will we'll laugh when it comes to the playoffs.
0: Okay. Well, that's gonna do it for the basketball section. All right. Final thing we are gonna we got to talk about. Well, Money in the Bank. There, there's one guy sitting here that got both <laughs> Money in the Bank matches correct. It ain't me. <laughs> this guy. This guy got him correct. Yeah, Nikki Ash actually won the Money in the Bank, and it was a surprising finish. It wasn't the greatest finish, and it wasn't a, like a great match. It was a bit clunky, but I, I was pleasantly surprised. Although, next, although he she, it in, she cashed it in the next night, which I was a bit disappointed by. I was hoping for her to hold it a little bit more. Like there's an intriguing storyline in there that they could build, and yeah, more intrigue that they could build instead they just kind of blew their wad early. Um, that she did beat Charlotte. She is now the women's champion. I'm happy for her. I like Nikki Cross. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I forgot to mention, but like, yeah, like for for her to go to like from you know crazy psycho lady to one of the most endearing characters in the WWE, like that's a that that that's like uh, what was that's range. Like that's really versatile acting and like very versatile character work from Nikki Cross. I really respect that from her.
1: Mm. Yeah, sadly. So of all the matches that night I missed both money in the bank matches. No. Only... I,
0: I mean, I'll give you I'll give you slack on that. There were a lot of contestants. There were a lot of possibilities. I just happened to get I just happened to get both of
1: them. Yeah. Yeah, the only match that I had time to watch was a uh, the women's championship which was a pretty good match uh, until towards the end which I thought was kind of lackluster, but you know it is how it is tap out
0: yeah i mean like like it it really like goes to show like no matter how shit uh wwe storylines are like you forget that these are the best performers in the world or some of the best performers in the world and especially nxt like you know nxt level guys and gals that come up like those guys like rhea ripley and charlotte flair are high level nxt performers like, and they can always put on a good match no matter what it just sucks that their their storyline sucks and makes no sense and no one cares about it but once that once that bell rings like she like Charlotte went from getting Beck you know Becky chants and her flipping off the crowd to them chanting this is awesome that's pretty <laughs> yeah. amazing from a snarky from a snarky ass crowd like you know it's pretty crazy mm. Mm-hmm. Um, Men's Money in the Bank, Big E. Big E won. I, like I, I mean, that was that was a hell mary to say the least. And yeah, that is gonna be interesting because I think um we'll, we'll get into it. But on Raw, you know, f- fucking Goldberg returned. Uh, you know, Bobby Lashley is probably gonna face Goldberg. That'd no, be a pretty probably. uh a eh, eh match. Like I'm not um. gonna be interested. It's gonna be. I'm not a fan of Goldberg. Like, I liked it when he came back against Brock because nobody liked Brock. And it was good to see Goldberg kick his ass. At least for, like, two two times. Yeah, twice. But, like, yeah. it got old real quick. And ever since then, it's just gone downhill. I just... I don't like it when Goldberg comes back. It's like, why does he have to challenge for the championship? Build another star. Build another guy to go to go after Bobby Lashley. But Anyways, Goldberg is back. And... You know, they're got, him and Bobby Lashley are going to have a match, and speculation is Biggie is going to cash in on that match.
1: Ooh, I can't imagine Goldberg winning that match, and then Biggie just yes, comes I out. can, I can.
0: No, I, uh, I I can just imagine him just taking the title, just fuck it. <laughs> like I I could see Vince doing that, unfortunately.
1: That would I would say that would tarnish Goldberg's legacy, in my opinion if he were to retire that year i mean shoot, he's what 53 54 something like that
0: he's in his 50s yes
1: although like you know
0: credit to him he looks amazing
1: he does but
0: my credit uh, to him for staying in shape i mean this is, you know not not to throw shade at him but like you look at him at undertaker the physiques are just completely different, although, although, like, you know, Undertaker has so many injuries, you can't really blame him. But like, mm-hmm. man, he's like Goldberg looks so good for a 50 some year old. But I'm sorry. Fuck off. <laughs> like right. retire. Oh, although, you know, I'm not going to hate on him for if Vince is just going to keep throwing money at him.
1: That's true. It's like, like, here, Here's
0: a million dollars.
1: Yeah, just fight every like few months. Uh man, he has that kind of mentality.
0: <laughs> and it does piss me off like that the crowd doesn't boo him more. Like I was actually very annoyed when the crowd. I mean, granted, yes, it's a big return and Goldberg does resonate with a lot of fans. He just doesn't resonate with me. That, that's, just, that's just how it is.
1: Yeah, once is enough to be honest for a lot of, a lot of stars that should, uh, were coming back.
0: Honestly, I actually prefer Brock to come back <laughs> as opposed to Goldberg.
1: Oh that's gosh. Where I'm at. <laughs> Can you imagine Brock who lost uh, to Biggie for a cash from the cash-in?
0: I would not mind that at all.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't That'd mind be that perfectly too. Perfectly fine. It'd be pretty funny. Biggie
0: Big versus Brock—that's a—that's a meaty. That's meaty. A lot of muscles.
1: Probably oh, is—is like where would Brock end up afterwards at rematch? Gee
0: probably like Brock is like the biggest wild card of all time in WWE. You can just come in and just win things for no reason. i mean, guys, Goldberg can too, but not to the level that Brock can. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, another thing I want to quickly talk about for Monday night raw, man, what they did carry and cross dirty. Now I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure you haven't watched it. Have you?
1: Well, yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> what do you expect? And so,
0: Anyways, so the NXT champion currently is Karrion Cross on NXT. Mm-hmm. He comes up, he, he debuts on the um, on the raw roster for no reason. and uh, another thing they did really dirty to him, they completely like killed his entrance so he has a really cool entrance. I'll, sh- I'll send you the video after the, after this podcast, but like he has a really cool entrance. They don't do any of that. He just walks he just walks to the ring like a normal guy. And then he has a match against Jeff Hardy okay,
1: and loses in two minutes. Two minutes? Gee. And the NXT guy losing it? To... Wait, he's NXT champion? champion. He's a champion, too. He's Gee. the champion. To Jeff Hardy, which is like 40-some years old. Who hopefully. has been losing a main event, by the way. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's... Oh gosh, that. that
0: okay, that I bad. don't. I don't think this saves it. This doesn't do anything for me. But Hardy did have his rope. Hardy did cheat to win. He did have his foot on the ropes. I don't give a shit. Why did you pin Carrying Cross? What are you doing?
1: <sighs> Man, that's 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 on the, the, That's pretty poor story writing. I wouldn't even say story writing. It's just. <sighs> Wait, I mean, Vince has Vince has
0: to sign off on these things, and like a lot of people are like saying, like you know, he's pissed at NXT because they couldn't be AEW in the ratings. I I personally subscribe to the speculation that maybe there's just kind of a weird dick measuring contest with him and Triple H, where Triple H has cre- created this really good product, and Vince doesn't get it. And he's, like, seeing it as kind of almost threatening the quality of his own product, meaning, like, the main roster. And he just wants to squash NXT so that his, you know, he can have, he can be the only one that has, you know, a a WWE wrestling show. Like, he's willing to sabotage his own company, his Uh own family for his own ego. I think think that's my prediction. I have no real... I don't. I don't have no real evidence to support that. That's just how I feel about Vince. Yeah. I just feel like he's the type of guy to do that kind of shit. Yeah.
1: If that's the case, I can't wait for him to get out sooner because my gosh, it. <laughs> I mean, probably one of the reasons why I don't watch WWE as much as I should, to be honest. I don't blame you. It was a very terrible th-
0: uh, three hour <laughs> three hour uh, three hour show. Yeah. And, that, and that's the thing. Three hours of garbage television. Like, I could be doing so many other things. <laughs> and, uh, okay, well, that's enough for the uh, WWE news. This is pretty big news. CM Punk and Daniel Bryan have been rumored to sign to have signed with AEW. CM Punk has not officially signed, but it's speculation that it's, it's, it's kind of heading towards that. Mm-hmm. Daniel Bryan has not been confirmed, but, like, it... There, there were there is a report that basically says he's already signed to AEW.
1: Really? Yes. That's interesting. So WWE didn't resign him at all. When was the last time he uh, wrestled in WWE? So I don't remember the exact date, but he he had a retirement match
0: with uh, Roman Reigns on SmackDown, and does not forget he main evented WrestleMania not too long ago.
1: Oh gosh.
0: And. uh yeah, so the, so the report uh, basically said that he was planning on going back to WWE, but his conditions were that he wanted to be able to work with New Japan. And WWE was trying to work a deal with New Japan, but something happened, and basically AEW kind of swooped in and said, we'll let you work with New Japan. And that's kind of a very simplified way of um, explaining what happened. But speculation right now is that they're probably gonna debut on the September twenty second, uh, the New York, the New York show. I believe Ooh. that one is. I forgot what show that is. It. that might be All Out. I don't remember, but yeah, they're Daniel Bryan's probably gonna debut there. If not, CM Punk is probably gonna be the definitely be the one to debut there.
1: Ooh, that's interesting. I'm gonna imagine that Vince has something to do with not wanting to work with and uh, uh, New Japan. I feel like is he vince doesn't want to even though they, uh, they're trying to make a deal with new japan i feel like vince does not want to
0: yeah well he's gonna if, if this is really true like part of me is still almost i almost i still can't really believe it it's because like it, it has not been fully confirmed like you uh, know there's reports out there and like I think only one only one source has confirmed it. Although Dave Meltzer is actually another one that has actually corroborated it. So yeah, it might actually be legit now. Mm. That's this is industry shaking. Daniel Bryan again main event at WrestleMania <laughs> just a few months ago is a legitimate star. CM Punk the kind of like the kind basically a folk a folktale legend at this point granted he's kind of ruined his reputation by going back to wwe or wwe backstage he's ru- ruined a little bit of his mystique but he is still kind of that folktale hero because the, the you know the the you know the human um kind of like the human symbolization uh he's the human he's the symbol for anti WWE. Just every, all the political bullshit that you have to deal with, all the garbage that, you know, WWE has been rumored to be like for so many years. Like, this, I think this is pretty industry shaking. I'm not saying that they're going to put WWE out of business. That's just not going to happen. Like, you know, but like, this is, this might start turning a bit of a tide to where AEW, like, could actually beat Raw, like, in ratings at some point. But like I, I think WWE will be fine. Like they're not gonna go out of business. Let's, let's not get it twisted. But mm-hmm. like a, AEW might actually be getting inching closer to be matching uh WWE as like, you know, this corporate uh wrestling, you know, monop- like is no is no longer a monopoly. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, it never has been, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, we just had the choice to watch WWE out of all the other shows, to be honest.
0: Yeah, so I thought that was huge. I had to mention it, and uh, yeah, I would like to see. What, I mean, I cannot wait for September twenty second. Mm. Also, I can't wait for I can't wait for September twenty third because Diablo Resurrected comes out, and I am excited for that. But like, that's gonna be two crazy as days.
1: Well, I'm probably gonna be there. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, if you want to go, new, it's in New York. I think it's in Madison Square Garden.
1: Oh gosh, okay, maybe not. <laughs> that sounds a little pricey. <laughs> I
0: mean, yeah. I mean, if you, yeah, let me know if you want to go. But uh, yeah. So that, that that was industry shaking, industry shaking. Jesus Christ, it's an hour and a half into this, and uh, yeah, I'm running out of gas. So yeah, we're gonna end it right there. You have anything else you want to add?
1: As you Before can, as you can tell by my voice, I'm I'm on my last legs, <laughs> because yeah, it it has been. I think this is, is our longest podcast in a while. Or, it
0: it just might be because I'm looking at the time. Yeah, this might be upwards of two hours.
1: <laughs> so yeah, thanks for listening. If you made this long, but. <laughs> Other than that, do you have anything else? Because I think I'm about to say <laughs> call quits.
0: Yep, well uh, that's it for me. Yeah, so yeah, thank you guys for listening. Uh, hopefully we do make a, another draft video, and we'll and we're we're guaranteed to make at least one episode. I'm not sure if it's going to be a draft analysis.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: These these actually do good numbers. People like hearing about these draft picks. Oh yeah, It seems so. Yeah, like. You know, uh, we'll definitely, you know, uh, be posting another episode before the draft, and you know, hopefully the domino will fall and something finally happens because it is so dead right now that it's kind of scary. The silence is deafening
1: right now. Yeah, it's it's only been like what two days since the finals, too.
0: Yeah, and it, I came to the realization that we're I'm not we're not gonna be able to watch NBA basketball for a while.
1: I mean, I I didn't mention if you went if we went to go to the California Classic, but you know, why is it on a
0: Wednesday night at 8 p.m. It makes yeah, no
1: sense. Tuesday and Wednesday, and both the Kings games are at 8 p.m. Then again, like like I said, it's a 10-minute quarter set rule, yada yada yada. Maybe it'll be fast-paced ball. Who who knows? But still, it's. Uh, that's uh yeah i'd be so tired after that yeah so
0: but yeah as it stands for this podcast we are gonna call it quits because yeah we're running on our last legs now and uh yeah we'll hopefully catch you guys on the next episode and hopefully it'll be a draft episode if not mm-hmm. just a just a calm before the storm
1: oh yeah well we'll see you guys later